I'm so glad you're here. If you can turn in your Bibles to Numbers chapter 3. That's where we are tonight because last week Mike talked us through Numbers chapter 2. Now if you were here last week, you know that Numbers chapter 2 is mainly just a list of the Israelite tribes and the numbers of people in them as well as the location of where they would be in the camp. Uh, not an easy uh, passage to preach on. If you were here, I think we would all agree Mike did a very good job uh, kind of painting with a broad brush, making some, some general application. His sermon was titled, Off to a Good Start. And his three points were, the obligation was to obey all that is commanded. The identification was that our identity is in the living God. And the unification was total and complete trust in God. Sir? That was a good sermon. That was a good outline. You know how good it was? It was so good that I'm going to use it tonight. For the first time in my illustrious preaching career, I am stealing somebody else's sermon outline. Um, but I will give you any royalties that I make off of preaching this. Don't worry. I will make sure to give you a cut. I'm just going to do one little twist, though. Uh, we're going to go identification, then obligation, then unification. Not a big deal, but definitely, as I was listening to last week's sermon... Um, I felt it fits you so beautifully with what we're going to talk about tonight. And what we're going to talk about is Numbers chapter and 4. Another thing I've never done before, trying to preach two chapters at once, especially when one of those chapters has 51 verses and the other one has 49. And math majors in the room, guess what 51 plus 49 is? It's a perfect 100, like it's meant to be. And yes, you better believe we're reading all 100, because I am not going to decide which ones are worth reading and which ones aren't. You're nuts. But we're not going to read them all at once. I did that. It took me 12 minutes. It's a long passage. So we're going to read it bit by bit, but I do like when we all read together. So as far as the corporate reading that we're going to do, we're going to go back another week to Lenny's sermon in Numbers chapter 1. We're going to look at verses 47 to 54, so I will ask you all to stand in honor of reading God's word, a passage that even as Lenny was reading it a few weeks ago, I'm like, wow, this beautifully summarizes uh, what I'll be talking about tonight. So Numbers chapter 1, starting in verse 47. But the Levites were not listed along with them by their ancestral tribe. So let me stop for a second. I should have said Lenny was talking about the general census of Israel. The Levites were not listed along with them by their ancestral tribe. For the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, only the tribe of Levi you shall not list, and you shall not take a census of them among the people of Israel. But appoint the Levites over the tabernacle of the testimony, over the, all its furnishings, and over all that belongs to it. They are to carry the tabernacle and all its furnishings, and they shall take care of it and shall camp around the tabernacle. When the tabernacle is to set out, the Levites shall take it down, and when the tabernacle is to be pitched, the Levites shall set it up. And if any outsider comes near, he shall be put to death. The people of Israel shall pitch their tents by their companies, each man in his own camp, and each man by his own standard. But the Levites shall camp around the tabernacle of the testimony, so that there may be no wrath on the congregation of the people of Israel. And the Levites shall keep guard over the tabernacle of the testimony. Thus did the people of Israel. They did according to all that the Lord commanded Moses. You may be seated. So with Lenny's passage and Mike's outline as our backdrop, we are going to be looking at the 100 verses of Numbers 3 and 4. Uh, my title for tonight's sermon is The Chosen of the Chosen. 
So maybe based on what we've already read, you know where I'm going with that. If not, I promise you will know real quick because these two chapters, I just could not find two separate sermons in them. I feel that they tie together beautifully and, to be honest, are foundational as far as our moving forward in the book of Numbers. So I'm going to pray. We're going to dive in and see what God has in store for us. Lord, I thank you. I, I, I don't want to say this stuff's getting easy, but uh, from where we were when I was afraid to get into Leviticus, Lord, now I just, I just want to see. I want to see what comes next. I want to see what you're going to show us. I want to see how you're going to show us. I thank you for Sunday school this morning, Lord, that really just was a revelation for me uh, to look at things in, in a way that I never had before because you've opened my eyes to truths in your word that I had just ignored and avoided for too long. So, Lord, yes, we... A hundred verses might feel like a lot, but as Pastor said this morning, it's the best thing we're going to do. Lord, the best thing we're going to do is spend time in your word, allow your spirit to speak to our heart, speak to our mind. Lord, teach us, build our knowledge base of what your word says so that you can then use it in a way that only you can as we each uh, seek to apply it to our lives. So I thank you in advance. Thank you for what you've laid on my heart as well as what you're going to speak to each person here. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's jump in. Numbers chapter 3, we're going to read the first four verses. These are the generations of Aaron and Moses at the time when the Lord spoke with Moses on Mount Sinai. These are the names of the sons of Aaron, Nadab the firstborn, and Abihu, Eleazar, and Ithamar. These are the names of the sons of Aaron, the anointed priests, whom he ordained to serve as priests. But Nadab and Abihu died before the Lord when they offered unauthorized fire before the Lord in the wilderness of Sinai, and they had no children, so Eleazar and Ithamar served as priests in the lifetime of Aaron, their father. Now, if you're reading in your own Bible, that's wonderful. That's never a bad idea. But if you're looking up at the screen, you will notice throughout tonight that there will be sections highlighted in red. That's how we're going to do this. To be able to get through 100 verses, I'm going to read them. The red is what jumped out to me, and then I'll just trust that the Spirit will speak to you if there's anything else to notice. So you'll notice I highlighted Eleazar and Ithamar. They are two of Aaron's sons, and if you're wondering why they're rattling off Moses and Aaron's sons, it's because we are going to be looking at, specifically, Levites. That's what uh, Lenny's passage came right out and said. And as far as Mike's outline goes, while the Israelites generally identified as being with the living God, the identification here is specifically Levites. So that would be my first point. Um, This entire two chapters are speaking to the Levites, of which were the descendants of Aaron. But multiple times, I think Pastor said this, God keeps pointing out how Nadab and Abihu died before the Lord when they offered unauthorized fire. I'm assuming we know the story. They were priests. They were in charge, but they didn't take their job seriously. They didn't do things the way God told them to do it, in a way that honored him, and God killed them. So the reason I'm highlighting Eleazar and Ithamar here is because their names are going to pop up here and never... You know, there's so many names that are going to pop up here. But they're popping up here because the people who should have been doing it blew it. So yeah, my title is The Chosen of the Chosen, and I pray you all feel chosen today, but I hope you don't associate chosen with immune, with diplomatic immunity. (laughs) Hey, I'm God's chosen. I can do what I want when I want. No, God raises the bar for his chosen. God doesn't let his chosen when nobody's looking. He says, listen, if I have called you to do something, I expect you to be at that level, and if you are not, I will find someone who is. So that's what I take from those first four verses in chapters 3 and 4. The identification is specifically the Levites. 
Um, then we move to verse 5. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Bring the tribe of Levi near, and set them before Aaron the priest, that they may minister to him. They shall keep guard over him and over the whole congregation before the tent of meeting as they minister at the tabernacle. They shall guard all the furnishings of the tent of meeting and keep guard over the people of Israel as they minister at the tabernacle. And you shall give the Levites to Aaron and his sons. They are wholly given to him from among the people of Israel. And you shall appoint Aaron and his sons and they shall guard their priesthood. But if any outsider comes near, he shall be put to death. Pretty much what Lenny read in chapter 1. Mike said that the general obligation of all Israelites were to obey all that is commanded. Well, in these two chapters, specifically the Levites' obligation was to care for the temple. So we're just zooming in. Last week was the big picture. Israelites, who they identified as, who they were, what their obligation was. Now we're seeing it specific to the Levites. And then in verse 11, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Behold, I have taken the Levites from among the people of Israel, instead of every firstborn who opens the womb among the people of Israel. The Levites shall be mine, for all the firstborn are mine. On the day that I struck down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, I consecrated for my own all the firstborn in Israel, both of man and of beast. They shall be mine. I am the Lord." Now, we're going to talk more about this in detail, so let me just kind of speak generally here. The unification that was originally that their trust and faith was in God, here, though it unifies them, is that they are the redeemed. I know that word hasn't popped up here yet. It's going to pop up later. You can put the chosen there if you want, but later I'm going to explain how chosen and redeemed are not synonymous. We know that when God... Um, had the 10th plague in Egypt, and all of the Egypt's firstborn were killed. All of the Israelites' firstborn were saved as long as the blood of the lamb was on the mantle. The angel of death passed right over. That's why it was called Passover. And at that moment, God said, I saved your children. I saved your firstborn. They are mine. But what he's saying here is, but instead of taking all of your firstborn, and I don't mean taking, like for service, for saying, devote yourself to me, I am going to take the Levites instead. So if you want to say the chosen for now, but redeemed is going to be a very important word soon. Okay? So right off the bat, I felt that flows beautifully with what Mike said last week, but instead of talking about the entire nation of Israel, we've narrowed it down to the Levites. Now let's narrow it down a little bit more. Verse 14, And the Lord spoke to Moses in the wilderness of Sinai, saying, List the sons of Levi by fathers' houses and by clans. Every male from a month old and upward you shall list. So Moses listed them according to the word of the Lord as he was commanded. And these were the sons of Levi by their names, Gershon and Kohath and Merari. And these are the names of the sons of Gershon by their clans, Libni and Shimei, and the sons of Kohath by their clans, Amram, Izhar, Hebron, and Uziel, and the sons of Merari by their clans, Mali and Mushi. These are the clans of the Levites by their fathers' houses. So, again, if you weren't looking at the highlight, I highlighted the names Gershon, Kohath, and Merari. Those are the sons of Levi. Anyone here who thinks, isn't Aaron a son of Levi? No. Aaron was a descendant of Kohath. So from Kohath's line, there is a specific line of Aaron that was devoted to the priesthood. I hope you don't think that all Levites were priests. That's not true at all. 
only the Levites who were of the line of Aaron were priests, but that doesn't mean that all the Levites weren't given a specific job to do, weren't chosen to be the redeemed of Israel. I hope I'm making sense. So we're going to go down each one of these names, and if nothing else today, I hope you grow in an understanding of these names, because they're going to pop up. These are the three main heads of the Levites, the three sons of Levi, who are expected to care for the temple. So here we go, number t- uh, verse 21. To Gershon belonged the clan of the Libnites and the clan of the Shemites. These were the clans of the Gershonites. They're listing according to the number of all the males from a month old and upward was 7,500. The clans of the Gershonites were to camp at, behind the tabernacle on the west with Eliasaph, the son of Lael, as chief of the father's house of the Gershonites. And the guard duty of the sons of Gershon in the tent of meeting involved the tabernacle, the tent with its covering, the screen for the entrance of the tent of meeting, the hangings of the court, the screen for the door of the court that is around the tabernacle and the altar and its cords, all the service connected with these. That's a lot of red. I get it. So next slide, please. Boom. Okay? When it comes to Gershon, there were 7,500 males of the tribe of Gershon that were one month or older. They camped to the west of the tabernacle. Okay? They were on the west, and they were responsible for caring for and moving the tabernacle, the tent, the screen. We noted they were moving around in the wilderness. That was their job. Okay? So I don't expect you to remember that. But that's what we're going to take, our knowledge that God wanted us to know about the tribe and the responsibilities of Gershon, 7,500 on the west, caring for things like the tabernacle, the tent, and the screen. Verse 27 says, To Kohath belong the clans of the Amramites, and the clans of the Israelites, and the clan of the Hebronites, and the clan of the Uzelites. These are the clans of the Kohathites. According to the number of all the males from a month old and upward, there were 8,600 keeping guard over the sanctuary. The clans of the sons of Kohath were to camp on the south side of the tabernacle, with Elizaphan, the son of Uziel, as chief of the father's house of the clans of the Kohathites. And their guard duty involved the ark, the table, the lampstand, the altars, the vessels of the sanctuary with which the priests minister, and the screen, all the service connected with these. And Eleazar, the son of Aaron the priest, was to be chief over the chiefs of the Levites and to have oversight of those who kept guard over the sanctuary. So next slide. Kohath had 8,600 males, a little more than Gershon. They were camped to the south. I don't expect you to remember this, but it's going to be important soon. They were responsible for things like the ark, the table, the lampstand, the altar, the vessels, the screen. And we are told that they were specifically led by Eleazar. I'm not going to pop quiz you, but that was one of the guys who never should have been there in the first place. Should have been Nadab, should have been Abihu. God gave Eleazar the honor. We find out in chapter 4 that Ithamar had the other two. Ithamar was in charge of Gershon and Merari. Eleazar specifically had Kohath, and we'll see why, I believe, um, soon. But let's keep moving. We've got Gershon, we've got Kohath, and we've got Merari. To Merari belong the clan of the Malites and the clan of the Mushites. These are the clans of Merari. Their listing according to the number of all the males from a month old and upward was 6,200. And the chief of the father's house of the clans of Merari was Zuriel, the son of Abihel. They were to camp on the north side of the tabernacle. 
and the appointed guard duty of the sons of Merari involved the frames of the tabernacle, the bars, the pillars, the bases, and all their accessories, all the service connected with these. Also, the pillars around the court with their bases and pegs and courts. Those who were to camp before the tabernacle on the east, before the tent of meeting towards the sunrise, were Moses. Oh, yeah. I didn't expect to go that far. Sorry. Should have stopped there. Little, little spoiler alert. At least I caught myself. Merari. Next slide. 6,200. So technically the smallest of the group, at least how many males they had from a month and older. They camped to the north, and they were responsible really for the nuts and bolts. The frames, the bars, the pillars, the bases, the accessories, everything that held everything together. Okay? So you ready? I'll do the hard part. You do the easy part. If Gershon is to the left of the tabernacle, and Kohath is to the south of the tabernacle, and Merari is to the north of the tabernacle, what's left? Somebody's got to be covering the east, yes? But I thought there were only three families. There were. So that's why I read a little too far. I apologize, but verse 38, those who were to camp before the tabernacle on the east, before the tent of meeting towards the sunrise, were Moses and Aaron and his sons, guarding the sanctuary itself to protect the people of Israel. And any outsider who came near was to be put to death. All those listed among the Levites, whom Moses and Aaron listed at the commandment of the Lord by clans, all the males from a month old and upward, were 22,000. So first of all, Moses and Aaron and his sons, not their sons. Very important. Moses was top dog uh, other than God. And God said, Aaron's descendants will be my priests. So Moses was in the front as the leader, but Moses' descendants were back with the Kohathites. Moses didn't pull any nepotism. Moses didn't pull any, hey, I, can, I got an in for you here. They did what God told them to do. So the Gershonites were on the west, and the Kohathites were on the south, and the Merorites were in the north, and Moses and Aaron and his descendants were on the east surrounding the tabernacle. Now already that's a beautiful picture, because Mike told us last week that they were surrounding the tabernacle in certain places, and it kind of worked its way out. I'm going to talk more about that in a second, but you had the tabernacle, you had the Levites, and then you had the Israelites. Okay, but we've got a number on the board, 22,000. Highly doubt any of you were throwing these numbers together. Um, but actually, the three numbers that are in the passage before it add up to 22,300. Nobody knows why, other than certain Hebrew numbers can look similar to other numbers. I'm a math teacher, and I'm constantly having kids say, no, that's a zero. I'm like, that's a six. No, that's a zero. I don't know. All I know is, if you're going to take a computational error as proof that we don't have to believe what the Bible has to say, you've got bigger problems than your math skills. Okay? If God says there were 22,000, there were 22,000. And that's the number that matters. That's the number I need you to remember. Not what the other three were, but that it says that there were 22,000 males in total of the Levites, which really is way too low. So it, most commentators say that's probably from Passover on. Not, not like ever. Not, you know, every firstborn in existence who hadn't died yet. 
It was, no, since the Passover, since they've left from Egypt, there were 22,000 males. Okay? So I think we're doing pretty good. 6.30. But now look at what verse 40 says. And to be honest, the rest of chapter 3, if I was going to pick a sermon, this is it. If I was going to pick and choose what I wanted to do, we'd be do Numbers chapter 3, verses 40 to 50, uh, yeah, 40 to 51, we'd be done. But that's not what we're doing. We're going through the passage. I want to leave tonight knowing that we read Numbers 3 and 4, not, well, John said one piece of it says. So I'm going to give a mini sermon right now, I'm telling you, mini, I promise, mini. But this is the part that really spoke to my heart out of everything we're going to read tonight. And the Lord said to Moses, list all the firstborn males of the people of Israel from a month old and upward, taking the number of their names. And you shall take the Levites for me, I am the Lord, instead of all the firstborn among the people of Israel. And the cattle of the Levites, instead of all the firstborn among the cattle of the people of Israel. So Moses listed all the firstborn among the people of Israel as the Lord commanded him. And all the firstborn males, according to the number of names from a month old and upward as listed, were 22,273. Don't lie to me, sir. Are you lost? Are you? That's okay. I'm a math teacher. I'm used to it. But does anybody understand what's going on here? There were 22,000 firstborn males who God said, I mean, sorry, yeah, 22,000 of the Levites. But of the Israelites, there were 22,273. Didn't God say he was willing to do a swap? Give me the Levites. The Levites are mine. Instead of giving me every firstborn of Israel, give me the Levites. If there are 22,000 Levites, but 22,273 firstborn Israelites, do you agree the math doesn't add up? Okay, do we serve a God who rounds? No. We serve a God of detail. We serve a God who is gracious and merciful and everything pastor said this morning, but when he says something, he says something. So we're about to read what God expected to be done for those 273 extra firstborn males. Verse 44, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take the Levites instead of all the firstborn among the people of Israel, and the cattle of the Levites instead of their cattle. The Levites shall be mine. I am the Lord. And as the redemption price for the 273 of the firstborn of the people of Israel, over and above the number of the male Levites, you shall take five shekels per head. You shall take them according to the shekel of the sanctuary, the shekel of 20 geras, and give the money to Aaron and his sons as the redemption price for those who are over. So Moses took the redemption money from those who were over and above those redeemed by the Levites. From the firstborn of the people of Israel, he took the money, 1,365 shekels, by the shekel of the sanctuary. And Moses gave the redemption money to Aaron and his sons, according to the word of the Lord, as the Lord commanded Moses. Am I about to do a math lesson? No. No, I don't know why he picked five shekels, but I do know that five shekels times 273 people is 1,365. That's where they got that value from. God said that the firstborn are mine, but I am willing to redeem them with a Levite. You give me those Levites instead, and your firstborn can stay where they are. But there are 273 extra firstborns that I expect, that I demand, are still redeemed. 
And they were able to do that monetarily, which a few weeks ago, didn't we talk about that? That if somebody made a vow of a person, God had a monetary way that they were able to excuse that vow, if that's how you look at it. That this isn't the first time we're hearing this. But the point is, everyone had to be redeemed. God said they could be redeemed by a Levite. Once we ran out of Levites, they could be redeemed by money. And the money didn't come from an individual. If Sean had a firstborn, he, oh man, we ran out of Levites. Sean, where's the money? The nation. The nation as a whole recognized that God was giving them this amazing blessing because of an amazing blessing that he did back in Egypt. Oh my goodness, he saved all of our firstborn. And he has every right to those firstborn. But he said we can keep the firstborn as long as he can have the Levites. They just have to be redeemed either by a Levite or by money. Well, that's what spoke to my heart the most here. Okay, if I was going to give this sermon a different title, it would be Redeemed How I Love to Proclaim It. Right? So if you want to close with that, you can. That's up to you. I don't know how familiar you are with it. But redeemed. Do you know what it means to be redeemed? I'm going to give you a quick, quick three-point outline. Believe it or not, we're not going to go that long tonight. But three points. The first thing about being redeemed, by definition, it means you were bought back. When you redeem a coupon, do you understand what you're doing? You are giving that coupon so that you can get something back, agreed? We use that word redeemed today, and in 1 Corinthians 6.20, it is so clear that we were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Too often, redeemed how I love to proclaim it, you know what that really means? I'm going to heaven. I'm saved. My sins have been forgiven. And at no point does the fact that it means you were bought back. A price had to be paid so that you could say, I'm going to heaven. My sins have been forgiven. God isn't just up there giving out freebie tickets. They, we had to be redeemed. It's what, kind of what we talked about in Sunday school this morning. We were redeemed through his blood, but also through his resurrection. So that we could have entrance into heaven. So, redeemed means you were bought, and bought means you are owned. By definition, we don't get to say, well, of course I asked Jesus into my heart. I don't want to go to hell, but that doesn't mean I got to like go to church, do I? Yeah. Gotta? No, you're not going to lose your salvation over, but you are owned. The verse that comes right before the one we just read, 1 Corinthians 6, 19, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. To be redeemed means you have been bought. To be redeemed means you are owned. And to be redeemed means you have been chosen. Now, as I breathe, I'm getting old. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? And don't answer, because it's too easy to say good. In my mind, it couldn't have been that easy to be a Levite. To watch everybody else get their own inheritance, but the Levites didn't get an inheritance. Everybody else could go out, have a job, have a somewhat normal life, not the, not the Levites. They had to serve at the temple. They had to trust that God would provide everything. I could almost see, I'm not speaking for them, but I could almost see a Levite almost seeing it as a negative that they had been chosen. Why me, Lord? 
Why couldn't someone else have to do all of this? Why couldn't I have a more normal life? And how sad if any of us can relate to that. Chosen. Redeemed. I, I wrote a little, this would have been a bigger point, but just because you're chosen does not mean you're redeemed. Agreed? You could be chosen for a baseball team. You could be chosen for a job. Doesn't mean anybody paid anything. Just because you're chosen for something doesn't mean you're redeemed. But, oh, please realize that if you are redeemed, it means you've been chosen. God is not up in heaven with buy one, get one tickets saying, hey, anybody wants one, come on. No. No, he bought me. He bought me at the beginning of time. So he owned me from the beginning of time because I was chosen from the beginning of time. And I can only pray that that encourages your heart instead of, well, that's not fair. Why didn't he choose somebody else? Maybe the Israelites had that same, I don't know. Maybe a Levite was mad they were a Levite. Maybe a Kohathite was mad he wasn't a Levite. I don't know, but that has to be a beautiful thing. If we are redeemed, he bought us, he owns us, and that means he chose us. Mike used this verse last week. Mike or Pat, I think it was Mike. 1 Peter 2.9, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who bought you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You know what translation I was using? The OCCH translation. You ever hear of it? I, that's supposed to say who called you out. I get it, but doesn't that line up beautifully? It's kind of if I can read it backwards. Because he bought us for his own possession, we are chosen. That verse should bring so much joy to our heart. And again, I'm just trying to put myself in a position of a Levite. Were they excited that they were the chosen of the chosen? Or were they a little, oh, jeez, man, wish, wish I was something else. I don't know. But that would be my challenge to you. If I was preaching just on this passage, my challenge to you would be redeemed how I love to proclaim it or redeemed how I like parts of it. I like the going to heaven part, but not so much that he bought me, which means he owns me, which means he chose me to do things that glorify him. Yes, that should be an honor that we are his chosen, not a tail between the legs, all right, fine, I guess I'll try to be a good person. No. Okay? So we're going to go into chapter 4 because chapter 4 really is just more of this. I'm going to read it somewhat quickly. I'm going to tell you what I take from it. But at a minimum, realize that God didn't just eeny, meeny, miny, mo, and every fourth person was going to serve in the tabernacle. He chose specific people. He redeemed specific people. And that should speak to our heart today as it did then. All right, but here we go. Chapter 4 uh, starts, it says, The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, Take a census of the sons of Kohath from among the sons of Levi by their clans and their fathers' houses, from 30 years old up to 50 years old, all who come on duty to do the work in the tent of meeting. This is the service of the sons of Kohath in the tent of meeting, the most holy things. When the camp is to set out, Aaron and his son shall go in and take down the veil of the screen and cover the ark of the testimony with it. Then they shall put on it a covering of goatskin and spread on top of that a cloth, all of blue, and shall put in its poles. And over the table of the bread of the presence, they shall spread a cloth of blue and put on it the plates, the dishes for incense, the bowls, and the flagons for the drink offering. 
the regular showbread, and also shall, also shall be on it. Then they shall spread over them a cloth of scarlet, and cover them the same with a covering of goatskin, and shall put in, in its poles. And they shall take a cloth of blue, and cover the lampstand for the light with its lamps, its tongs, its trays, and all the vessels for oil with which it is supplied. And they shall put it with all its utensils in a covering of goatskin, and put it on the carrying frame. And over the golden altar they shall spread a cloth of blue, and cover it with a covering of goatskin, and shall put, it in, put in its poles. And they shall take all the vessels of the service that are used in the sanctuary, and put them in a cloth of blue, and cover them with a covering of goatskin, and put them on the carrying frame. And they shall take away the ashes from the altar, and spread a purple cloth over it. And they shall put on it all the utensils of the altar, which are used for the service there, the firepans, the forks, the shovels, and the basins, all the utensils of the altar. And they shall spread on it a covering of goatskin, and shall put in its poles. And when Aaron and his sons have finished covering the sanctuary and all the furnishings of the sanctuary, as the camp sets out, after that the sons of Kohath shall come to carry these. But they must not touch the holy things, lest they die." These are the things of the tent of meeting that the sons of Kohath are to carry. And Eleazar, the son of Aaron the priest, shall have charge of the oil for the light, the fragrant incense, the regular grain offering, and the anointing oil, with the oversight of the whole tabernacle and all that is in it of the sanctuary and its vessels. The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, Let not the tribe of the clans of the Kohathites be destroyed from among the Levites. But deal thus with them, that they may live and not die when they come near the most holy things. Aaron and his sons shall go in and appoint them each to his task and to his burden, but they shall not go in to look on the holy things, even for a moment, lest they die. Fine, it was 20 verses. Maybe that was a lot. But oh my goodness, I've got to assume the way that thing ended makes you want to go back to the beginning and read it all again. What's going on here? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Why, why are the Kohathites in danger of death? I thought they were serving God. Well, here we go. The Kohathites, this time we're looking at 30 to 50. Guess why? As opposed to one month old to 50. Come on. Because they're the ones that could serve in the temple. Agreed? They're the ones. We talked about that when it came to how much they would be worth if you were going to redeem them. Now, Joseph, I'll throw you under the bus. Random number. There was a lot of directions in here, yeah? I counted them already. Guess how many the Kohathites had to do in here? 12? You think more? You think less? What do you think, Sue? You think more, less, 12? What do you think? I would think more. Ridiculously less. Why? Do you realize it was a trick question or no? Do you? Okay, that's true. I'm, I am the king of trick questions. Pretty much none of this was talking to the Kohathites. I know. We read it too fast. I had to read it a couple times to catch it. But if you look in verse 5, well, verse 4 says, This is the service of the sons of Kohath in the tent of meeting, the most holy things. When the camp is to set out, Aaron and his sons shall go in and take the... The next 10 verses are what Aaron and his sons had to do before the Kohathites even showed up. So there's two things I want to point out here. First of all, I'm going to leave you alone. I've been picking on you too much. Does anybody remember the order that the, or where Kohath was in the order of sons listed originally? Second, good. It was Gershon, 
Kohath, Merari, they were most likely listed by age. That's what pretty much everyone thinks. Who's listed first in chapter 4? Kohath. Isn't that so God? Don't we serve a God who put Jacob instead of Esau, who picked Isaac instead of Ishmael, who put Joseph instead of Reuben, right? God doesn't do things the way we do things. God doesn't say, well, you're firstborn, so obviously you're going to get the most important job. Kohath got the most important job. Do you know why it was the most important job? Because it was the ark. It was the, it was the most holy things. That's why God said, make sure Aaron and his sons do their job first, because if these good-intentioned Kohathites who just want to serve me come in here and serve me in a way that I told them not to, they're dead. So unless you want the Kohathites to become an endangered species, you guys had better do your job. And I love that beautiful balance, because on the one hand, God will exalt whoever he wants to exalt. Doesn't matter if you're the oldest, doesn't matter if you're the pastor, doesn't matter if you're a really good talk, it doesn't matter. Moses said he couldn't talk at all and God took him. God's going to do what he wants with who he wants, but oh my goodness, never lose sight of the fact that God's the one doing it. Because these Kohathites could have got a little too big for their britches. Wow, God picked us instead of Gershon. Oh, this is going to be great. Drop dead. So I'm not telling you to read this again, but oh my goodness, when you reread that, through the lens of not do all of these things, but do all of these things so that God's glory is maintained, so that God gets what he wants when he wants. There was nothing special about Aaron, but God said there was. God said Aaron and his descendants are going to be the ones in charge of the most holy things, the ones that can come into the holy of holies, the ones who can do what no one else can do. But Kohathites after they've covered everything, after they've put poles in. I don't know if you caught that. They put the poles in so that the Kohathites didn't have to touch it. They could just pick it up by the poles, and they would be able to do uh, what God wanted them to do. So again, a beautiful picture there. I'm going to say this a few times, but oh my goodness, if people would just do what God called them to do. God calls you to preach, preach. God calls you to go across the street, go across the street. It doesn't matter. But just don't, like we were talking about this morning, you should always have an expectation of what God's going to do. But you shouldn't have an expectation of what God's going to do. Oh, I know. God's going to do this, 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 this. I can almost guarantee you he won't. You just sit back and say, Lord, here I am. Whatever you want me to do, show me how to do it. Oh, the church, I'm going to get ahead of myself. Not this church, the church. would be such a better place if people could just accept God called me to do this. God called this one to do this. We are a body, and we function best when everyone does what they are called to do. So that was Kohath, okay? And that was the longest one because, quote-unquote, it was the most important one. Verse 21, these will go a little quicker. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take a census of the sons of Gershon also, he's the oldest, by their fathers' houses and by their clans. From 30 years old up to 50 years old, you shall list them, all who can come to do duty, to do service in the tent of meeting. This is the service of the clans of the Gershonites in serving and bearing burdens. They shall carry the curtains of the tabernacle and the tent of meeting with its covering and the covering of goatskin that is on top of it and the screen for the entrance of the tent of meeting and the hangings of the court and the screen for the entrance of the gate of the court that is around the tabernacle and the altar and their cords and all the equipment for their service. 
and they shall do all that needs to be done with regard to them. All the service of the sons of the Gershonites shall be at the command of Aaron and his sons in all that they are to carry in and all that they have to do. And you shall assign to their charge all that they are to carry. This is the service of the clans of the sons of the Gershonites in the tent of meeting, and their guard duty is to be under the direction of Ithamar, the son of Aaron, the priest. So here's where we see Ithamar is in charge. Aaron is definitely still in charge, but now it's just the, 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 the curtains and the, and the coverings. It's not the holy items. So they're able to carry these things. They're able to just pick it up and go. In a couple weeks, we'll see that there's certain carts and stuff Trust me, this is just the beginning. But that's the, the Gershonites. They took care of the curtains and the coverings. And then verse 29, as for the sons of Merari, you shall list them by their clans and their father's houses. From 30 years old up to 50 years old, you shall list them, everyone who can come on duty to do the service of the tent of meeting. And this is what they are charged to carry as the whole of their service in the tent of meeting. The frames of the tabernacle with its bars, pillars, and bases, and the pillars around the court with their bases, pegs, and cords, with all their equipment and all their accessories. And you shall list by name the objects that they are required to carry. This is the service of the sons of Merari, the whole of their service in the tent of meeting under the direction of Ithamar, the son of Aaron the priest. So, Merari was technically the smallest, you might remember. Um, actually, I don't want to get too ahead of myself. You'll find out they actually have the most people serving. But here, they're responsible for the nuts and bolts, the little things, the pegs, the frames, the cords, the bases. Please correct me. The, the stuff that's not so important. Oh, my goodness. Like, that's the stuff that held everything together. Do you understand? That was a ridiculously important job. They're the only ones where it actually says in verse 32, and you shall list by name the objects that they are required to carry. I don't know how many of you follow, uh, there, there's a company out there called Boeing, right? A plane, they may get these huge super jets. And they had two major crashes a few years ago. And they determined it was pretty much because the holes drilled for the screws were off by a little bit. Just a little bit. But because they were off a little bit, the screw didn't do what it was supposed to do. The, the wing, I, I don't know all the details, but oh my goodness, they are getting sued left and right for the tiniest thing. Don't make me make the application for you. Oh my goodness. Well, I don't know. All I do is help out in preschool. Well, I don't know. All I do is go to PBS. Well, I don't know. All I do is hand out. Do you really think God's going to give you a job that's not important? Do you really think God's up in heaven looking for us for stuff to do? I'm thinking now at my school. I'm sorry. I'm just being honest. They, they're kind of honest. Sometimes they got people kind of like, I don't know, go, go help this person. I got three teachers in my room sometimes because they don't know what to do with them. That's not God. Oh, my goodness. If everyone preached, like, who would we be preaching to? We all have to serve our purpose and not just serve it. Oh, all right, he just wants me to. Oh, my goodness. Does everything matter. If you are the Kohathites and God has put you in charge of the quote unquote, I mean, the, the important stuff, the way that, okay, but guess what? There's a lot of responsibility with that. You touch it, you die. If you're the Gershonites who are technically the oldest and we should have been the one, hey, you've got the coverings, you've got the things. God said that needs to be transported from place to place to place. And if you're Merari, the supposedly the smallest one, 
We're double checking with you because the second we lose one of those pegs, this whole thing can fall apart. That's not God, oh man, guys, this is really important. God's not stressing over this. Guess what? God could have kept that Boeing plane together with no screws in it at all. You understand? It's not about God needs us to do this, but he honors us. He chooses us. He redeemed us so that he could choose us to serve him in the way that he determines. And I just get, I'm sorry, I'm on the Kohat side. I get it. I'm on the Aaron side. Well, John, you get to preach. There's a lot of responsibility in this. There's a lot of work in this. Just be content in what God wants you to do and do it to the best for his glory. All right, so let's wrap up. Verse 34 and down. Believe it or not, we've made it through 84 verses so far. Pretty good, huh? So here we go. This is how uh, we wrap up the chapter. Moses and Aaron and the chiefs of the congregation listed the sons of the Kohathites by their clans and their fathers' houses from 30 years old to 50 years old, everyone who could come on duty for service in the tent of meeting, and those listed by clans were 2,750. This was the list of the clans of the Kohathites, all who served in the tent of meeting, whom Moses and Aaron listed according to the commandment of the Lord by Moses, those listed of the sons of Gershon by their clans and their fathers' houses from 30 years old to 50 years old, everyone who could come on duty for service in the tent of meeting, those listed by the clans and their fathers' houses were 2,630. This was the list of the clans of the sons of Gershon, all who served in the tent of meeting, whom Moses and Aaron listed according to the command of the Lord. Those listed of the clans of the sons of Merari by their clans and their fathers' houses from 30 years old up to 50 years old, everyone who could come on duty for service in the tent of meeting, those listed by clans were 3,200. This was the list of the clans of the sons of Merari, whom Moses and Aaron listed according to the commandment of the Lord by Moses. All those who were listed of the Levites, whom Moses and Aaron and the chiefs of Israel listed by their clans and their fathers' houses, from 30 years old up to 50 years old, everyone who could come do the service of ministry and the service of bearing burdens in the tent of meeting, those listed were 8,580. According to the commandment of the Lord through Moses, they were listed, each one with his task of serving or carrying. Thus they were listed by him as the Lord commanded Moses. So I kind of already pointed this out. Merari was the smallest group as far as one month old and up, and yet they had the most serving from 30 to 50. Convenient, huh? That really worked out good because that's the God we serve. So I'll, I'll, I'll try to paraphrase what Pastor said at community group this week. He said, you know, he, so many times he, he stopped and been amazed at how many animals had to be sacrificed. It was a lot of animals. But he never really stopped to think that God was the one who always made sure they had that many animals. God never said, I expect this, and if you can't find it, you better figure out a way to do it because you have till tomorrow no, God is never going to ask us to do something that he doesn't first equip us to do. So how beautiful the job that needed the most people had the most people, even though it came from the smallest tribe of people. That's how God does it. It's not us. It's all him. Not I, but Christ in me. It's, but it's just such a beautiful picture. Um, speaking of picture, don't even bother putting the slide up. It didn't show up good. I don't know if anybody wants this. There's some copies here. It was in my Bible. I really liked it. It's an illustration of the tent of meeting and the four Levite tribe, uh, clans around it, and then all the Israelites around that. 
and then a picture of the order that they marched in, and then a listing of all their responsibilities. I'm not asking you to take it. I'm just saying this is going to pop up. Numbers doesn't end in chapter four, got it? We're going to be hearing more about this. So at a minimum, I hope we grew in head knowledge. I hope if somebody in the future starts talking about Gershon, you're like, what? No, it's okay. Okay, Levi had three sons, Gershon, Kohath, Merari. Aaron was of the line of Kohath, but they were the only ones who could actually be priests. All the other ones had other responsibilities, just like the church. Chosen to be chosen, a chosen from the chosen. I am chosen from the chosen to preach every now and then. So is Mike, so is Lenny, and Pastor Moore on a consistent basis. But all of you are chosen of the chosen. You got it? Like, some of you are chosen for things that I was not chosen for. Let's take comfort, A, that we serve a God. I just think our picture is beautiful. That has his church protected by his leaders of that church who are protected and prayed for and surrounded by the congregation of the church. Just a beautiful picture of family and, and community. And then some have to tread lightly. They're, they're really, you know, th th this is, God's not going to strike me dead if I misquote this, but oh my goodness, I'll receive a stricter judgment. And then some have more of the, the covering of the church and just do the, 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 the inner workings of the church. And some are just those nuts and bolts that you almost take for granted, but if they weren't here, and then once they're not here, oh my goodness, then you see how things fall apart. I hope that's an encouragement. The fact that we can look at 100 verses in the book of Numbers and hopefully walk away saying, okay, I see why that's there. You got to put it up here before you put it in here. So we read it. We saw what it had to say. We saw the importance God put on it. We see the orderliness that God demands. We see that he redeemed people to himself back then and today. And again, we will build on that. I'll try to come up with my own sermon next time, sir. But, but thank you for letting me use it today. And uh, I just pray that God's word was honored and that we all allowed the spirit to speak. Lord, I thank you. Uh, that that pretty, pretty much went the way I wanted. It didn't have to. You could have done anything you wanted. But, I mean, it's 7 o'clock. <laughs> That's how you do things. I thought it would take forever. And yet, I pray we didn't speed through your word. Well, there's probably stuff I missed because you'll reveal it to me at another time. But at a minimum, I, I see the, your sovereignty. You had who had to be where, when they had to be there. You didn't want people any higher or lower than you assigned them. Thank you so much for the beautiful picture of your Levites surrounding the temple, the, the, the tabernacle, but then you the Israelites surrounding them. Oh, Lord, I know we love each other here. I know that we care about each other, but help us more and more be that. I know it's your spirit's power, but just that impenetrable force, Lord, when the people are protecting the and praying for the leaders, and the leaders are seeking your will to honor your word, how can we not be blown away by what you're going to do? So again, I thank you for every person here, Lord. Even, I mean, if they're not here, I, I still thank you, but I specifically thank you for the ones that are, for their desire to grow in your word, their desire to tackle some of these difficult parts, and Lord, I certainly pray that they don't stop at what I got out of it, but that they allow your spirit to speak to their heart. Uh, truths that you have in store for them. So I thank you. Look forward to what you have in store for us moving forward. In Jesus' name, amen.
All right, so guess what we're going to sing? 516, Redeemed. So if you could uh, stand, grab your hymnals, and open up to 516. We will sing all four verses. 516. Redeemed how I love to proclaim it, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, redeemed through his infinite mercy, his child and forever I am. Redeemed, redeemed, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, redeemed, redeemed, redeemed wherever I am. Redeemed and so happy in Jesus, no language my rapture can tell. I know that the light of his presence with me doth continually dwell. Redeemed, redeemed, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed, redeemed, is forever I am. I think of my blessed Redeemer, I think of him all the day long. I sing for I cannot be silent, his love is the theme of my song. Redeemed, redeemed, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed, redeemed, his child and forever I am. I know I shall see in his beauty the King in whose law I delight, who lovingly guardeth my footsteps and giveth me songs in the night. Redeemed, redeemed, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed, redeemed, his child and forever I am. Amen.